0: Hey friend, I'm curious. Have you just recently gotten the phone call or the diagnosis or experienced the loss that has completely changed everything in your world? Are you currently sitting in the rubble of your life, seemingly falling apart and wondering where in the world do I go from here? I've been there. The days following my wife, Amanda's death left me reeling. Everything felt blurry and I didn't know what to even do as time continued on, but my life at that point was at a screeching halt. We here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries wanna equip you with the tools you need to navigate the unexpected and difficult days that follow any sort of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. And this is why we're creating a new mini-course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. We're hosting this mini-course live over four weeks for our Community Plus members only during the month of May, starting on Tuesday, May 2nd from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, each week, we're going to talk about the things you need to know when you are facing fresh pain or grief, like what you can expect in those early days, what you need most, how to lament, and where to go from here. After the four weeks, we will eventually have this course available for purchase or as a part of our Community Plus membership platform. Being a part of the Community Plus platform will give you the earliest access to this incredible course, and you'll hear from me, my fellow Nothing Is Wasted podcast host, Aubrey Sampson, and our Nothing Is Wasted community director, Amy Sylvester. Another benefit of being a part of the course live is that you'll be able to ask your questions in real time and hear from us. All you have to do to be a part of this course in May is join Community Plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. And don't forget, we offer a free seven-day trial to the Community Plus membership, which will give you access to this course, plus all the other offerings we have from curated pathways to masterclass replays and so much more. If you're already part of the Community Plus membership, just check your email for how to join live for this four-week live mini-course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. I know it can be so difficult to know how to even exist when life takes a turn. How in the world am I going to wake up tomorrow morning and continue to live in the midst of this? Let us help you figure out how to take the next step in the early days of whatever you are going through.
1: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson.
2: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm your guest host, Eric Shoemaker.
3: And I am your other host, Aubrey Sampson. So glad that you're with us today.
2: Yeah, it's great to be here.
3: So, um, if you are wondering who that voice is, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast because Eric Shoemaker has been our not only our guest host for the past few weeks, but he has also he was also our uh, main guest on last week's episode. That's right talking a lot about the pain of fathers and miscarriage and you are not going to want to miss that. So be sure to go back and catch up on our conversation last week. This week, we have another incredible episode uh, for you. We're joined by Danita Janae. She has a book out called When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Your Life After Losing Someone You Love. She's a military widow, young mom, Like many of us here at Nothing Is Wasted, learning how to carry both joy and sorrow at the same time. She writes a lot, talks a lot with Davey about big emotions and doubts that come with grief and loss. And we know you are gonna love, love this conversation with Danita. So why don't we just go ahead and dive right in? We'd love to have you listen to Davey's conversation with Danita Janae.
0: Well, Danita, thanks so much for joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We just talked off air about how you are in one of the most, if not the most beautiful areas of the country, and we've just (laughs) gotten some major snow, and so it makes it even more magical to see. But I'd love for our (laughs) listeners to hear a little bit about you, where you're from, a little bit about your family, and then we'll dive into your story. Yeah,
4: um, I am a military widow. I have two young kids. We live in Colorado. And um, it kind of feels like a snow globe when we look outside. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And we're just enjoying a fresh, fresh blanket of white today. So.
1: Wow.
0: Wow. It's yeah. awesome. Well, I know that um, practically it's a, a an amazing thing to have a nice, fresh uh, snowfall, especially this time of year and in that area of the country and a lot of stuff that you can do. But I, I'm sure that it also is a very much a, a symbol too of what God is doing in your life and in your story. And he's bringing renewal and, and refreshment in that. And so I'm I'm encouraged as I saw your story come across my desk, I'm encouraged to hear that. But I also am really excited to hear the the details of that, where God has shown up in your story. So why don't you back us up a little bit and whatever you would deem kind of the beginning of this, why don't you tell us what you guys have gone through and, and then we'll talk about where God's shown up in that.
4: Okay. Um, I think I'll start with you saying that this feels like a symbol. Um So winter solstice was last night Mm. and like shortest day of the year, darkest day of the year. Right. And then, um, just we wake up to bright sunshine and, um, a new day. So that really does feel symbolic of where we've been. Um, I would say if we back up enough, it's important to explain that as a military family, I was also suffering through a lot of postpartum depression, chronic illness, all kinds of stuff. So, Moving into new towns, really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, our last duty station was um, near Omaha, Nebraska. And at that time I had gotten so ill that I couldn't even lift my laundry basket. Wow. I couldn't do my dishes. I, I couldn't physically or even cognitively do those things. Um, it was pretty scary. Yeah. Um, so that really did feel kind of like when that was my darkest season. It felt like, um, during that time, my husband and I learned to fast and pray together. We learned to, um, just get some breakthrough and, um, God really did heal me. We, we experienced a miracle. Mm. I could do my laundry again. I could, I could answer basic questions. I could even think straight. And, uh, that was really new for us. Um, so after that we moved to Colorado. Um, my husband was about to retire. He had one year left. um, And we were just so hopeful for a new beginning, a fresh start. Like, I remember we went hiking together um, shortly after we moved to Colorado, just a few weeks after. And the desert was blooming. Like, I'd never seen it before. Um, The cactuses were blooming. And (laughs) I remember cacti, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But we just, I remember walking and being like, honey, like, I can't. I can't believe this. Like I'm hiking with you. Like I'm alive, and we're together, and we're hiking because wow. we didn't. We didn't know if I would make it. Um, and then it was just a few weeks after that that we lost him mm-hmm. on a hike. Um, so it just, it just felt like
2: <laughs> such a sucker yeah, punch. Yeah, man.
4: Because um, he just kind of got my life back right before we lost his. Whew. And so, um, at least, at least. I was healed before then because then I really don't know how we would have been, but um, we were new in town. So still like trying to find churches, trying to, well, trying to find a church, trying to find the schools for the girls, trying to find our people. Mm. Um, And then all of that was just a few months before the pandemic hit. So Mm. (laughs) when that happened, I was like welcome to our whole world. Like, wow. this is what it feels like to be isolated and not know anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that hit the fan. Wow. Um, yeah. Man. But it was during that season that um, we just really, I don't know the way I put it, was like, it felt like everything that was stable was my husband in our life. Because yeah. when you're constantly moving and traveling, um, home is when you're together. Right, <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden we didn't even have together anymore. So we really learned to um, we really learned to find the Lord as our rock in a whole new level
0: during that. Goodness. Season. Goodness. Danita, I can't even imagine, you know, you come you emerge from this real deep dark place personally, you know, mentally, spiritually, mm-hmm. emotionally. You find this renewal together in your marriage, you know, you kind mm-hmm. of forge through that fire together there's this resurgence of hope and inspiration within your relationship together. And then all of a sudden you lose him. What, how does that, you know, first of all, how does that color in those moments, your view of God? I mean, there's so many folks that we interact with who would say, "Man, it feels like life has just been one blow after the other, after the other. And more often than not, (laughs) I see that take place where it seems like Mm -hmm. you just kind of, come up for air and then you're, you're shoved back down below the surface of the water and, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate the storm. What, what, what's that yeah. like for you in terms of how do you reconcile that? How do you look at God and go, and how did you then, you know, what, what kind of doubts and fears and frustrations and anger and rage crept up in you?
4: Yeah. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Talk <laughs> to me about it. that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the hardest things for me was I felt like, I felt like the Lord was really just vocal with me before Mm -hmm. I lost my husband. Like, I just really felt like I could hear his voice. I felt like I was in step with him. Um, the word felt alive. And, uh, when my husband passed away, it just felt like God got quiet on me. He got silent. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I felt like you ditched me. Like you left too. (laughs) And um, I really had to work through that feeling of, I think I already felt isolated because of our story. Mm. Like we didn't have our community yet. Um, But I also just felt like, I felt isolated from the Lord. And I mean, (laughs) when you go through so much trauma, like it kind of splits your left and your right brain and you actually, I actually couldn't read. Like I couldn't write my name. I was I was reversing letters. And um, so to even try to actually read the word was difficult, but then to try to understand it and to have it feel like it was living, breathing like it is, it it felt dead too, can I just say that? And so um, there was a season of like, I know this is true. I know you love me, but I don't feel it. I know you're a defender of the widow, but I don't see any defense. And so it was this real honest... um, Thankfully, I had had lots of practice with lament before with my health. Um, And so I just knew I was allowed to be honest before God. And that really saved my mental health to just not feel like even with the Lord, I had to pretend like I'm okay. Like he knew, (laughs) I let him know (laughs) that I wasn't doing well. And um, I think the ability and the freedom just to be like that before him, is what helped me break through all that. Cause when I was doubting, that was still such an act of faith yeah. to say like, I'm doubting you. It still means like, I believe in you. Yeah. I know you're real. I know my experience isn't lining up with who I know you really are. Um, And I had a pastor once when I was real sick in Nebraska tell me that even our biggest doubts is such an expression of faith. And I just really held on to that mm. because we feel like everything bottoms out, including your faith. But for him to say that, I was like, "Yeah, like it's okay if I'm doubting God," mm. and that's still the best expression of faith I can muster yeah. right now. You yeah, know,
0: absolutely. Yeah, you know, when when you lose someone, especially when you lose someone you love, I don't know if this has been your experience, but my experience was that people will often send you a lot of material to read. <laughs> you know, Mm. and it's interesting that you noted that you just, you couldn't when you go through that kind of Mm -hmm. horrific loss and trauma. I hear this, I hear this a lot. People will say, I just couldn't, I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't read anything else. I just couldn't do it. And it's not, they're not saying I wouldn't do it. They're saying just what you said. I just couldn't, I can't figure, I wanted to. And I knew that that was where I drew (laughs) a lot of, of my uh, sustenance and my nourishment spiritually prior to this but I just Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it and you're giving us some really good insight in the fact that sometimes that's the way your brain works in trauma that it really severs your ability to be able to do some of those higher level functioning things that your prefrontal cortex facilitates and and you flip back into fight or flight mode and and that um, I think that is uh, something that is extremely common in everybody how do we you know based on your experience, and based on what you know, what you're what you're sharing with us, how do we actually begin to move forward in those immediate moments? Like, what does that look like? And you mentioned lament, but can you just kind of unpack? Mm-hmm. Is that what you would point people to if you're like, "Hey, don't worry about trying to read anything right now. Like, here's what you should do right now." Yeah,
4: um, yeah. For me, the way I describe lament is just being honest with God about what's, you know, about what's painful, about what's ugly. And um, I do, there's a verse, I think it's in Proverbs, it says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Like for Mm. me, that just feels like being honest before God is is such a picture of intimacy even when it looks ugly. And so um, that is a really good first step because it at least breaks down whatever's between you and the Lord and it just puts you right in his presence mm. um, with everything you've got. And he really He really can redeem anything we give him, wow, you know? Yeah. So when we give him all our brokenness um, and it, you know, happens in chunks yeah. and baby steps and um, that just, that is a really good first step mm. is just, you know, just calling out his name. Sometimes all I could just do was just
5: say Jesus. yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like it's moving the needle at all for us when that's the case, <laughs> you know. I had a conversation with somebody right. yesterday. I guess it was 2 days ago now that just lost his brother. And it's a good friend of mine mm-hmm. and he's like, "Davey, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck." He lost him yeah. a couple weeks ago, but he's like, "I feel like I'm stuck." And he's a very goal-oriented, motivated, achievement-based type personality and he's like, "I just I feel stuck because I kind of feel numb and I feel in shock and and I told mm-hmm. him, I said, hey, man, that's common. That's normal. <laughs> like you're not yeah. stuck. There's a difference between feeling numb and being stuck. And I wonder, yeah. I'm curious based on your experience, like how would you advise somebody in that immediate aftermath season in terms of evaluating, their quote unquote progress or or pace of grief. You know what I mean? I think that's a big question that mm-hmm. people ask a lot. And it's a big thing that a lot of people try to superimpose their own opinions about into your life. You know, what, it's what are true. some things that you would, you would say based on your experience?
4: Yeah, that, um, it's kind of, I, I led the book with this because of that reason, mm-hmm. like people just, I just kind of go through all these misconceptions, like there's no report card in grief. Mm. Like you can't fail it. You can't ace it. Wow, that's good. You know, Mm -hmm. like we feel like we want to evaluate how well are you grieving?
0: (laughs) That's funny. I've
4: had people ask me that. exactly right. I've had people ask, how well are you grieving? And I'm like, I don't know, I probably stuck at it right now. <laughs> it feels now. like
0: <laughs> I stuck at it right now. Does that mean I'm doing well? <laughs> like,
4: <laughs> right, exactly.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, and like the timeline thing, people feel like there should be, like I should be here by mm. now. And there's no there's no shoulds. Yeah. There's no timeline. There's no, you know, at the two-year mark, this will happen to you. Or, you know, that's just, that's just not a thing. And mm. um, for me, I just come back to that verse that says, he remembers that we're made of dust. Mm. You know, like for me, that just reminds me, we were made of the earth with His breath. We are given so much grace. Mm. Like He remembers our feeble beginnings. And um, to me, that just gives me grace. Like there's there's no, I need to be here by now. Mm. Um, and that, that permission, just knowing that right off the bat takes this huge... Yeah. Like, not only are we grieving the person we love, but we're also worried about how we're doing it. And so yeah. just to take that off the yeah. plate is a huge, huge relief for people.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Yeah, i found that it, it, the more that you can take all the other external pressures off of you in that season, which for many of us, yeah. it's impossible, right? We have lots of other yeah. external pressures that are pushing in that affect that grief. Yeah. But the more that you're able to... um deduce which ones are absolutely necessary that i have to stay keep, keep in keeping my life and which ones can i just let go the the more I, I guess um i don't know i don't know if i want to say more palatable your grief experience is because it doesn't feel palatable <laughs> ever at all but i do feel like yeah. the the more you're able to focus on act, what you're actually grieving and focusing on your relationship with the lord as opposed to trying to now Uh, keep at bay all of these other pressures that are caving in as well. So I think that's really insightful. That's good. Hey friend, I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. It's the Pain to Purpose 42 Day Devotional. This devotional is a beautiful 42-day journey through life's valleys with biblically-based encouragement to help you or someone you love navigate the difficulties of life. Each week, you'll learn from the journey of a major character in scripture and be able to reflect on how that impacts your own story and whatever you're facing. From Job to David, Ruth to Jesus himself, you'll see how God has taken the most dire of circumstances and brought healing and redemption from the ashes. This devotional makes a great gift for the person who is walking through a recent loss or trauma or who carries the wounds from pain in their past. It's something that you can keep on hand to give to someone who is experiencing any kind of pain point, And it's a great addition to your daily time with the Lord. For just $25, you can get one for yourself or gift it to a friend. For our Nothing Is Wasted podcast listeners, we want to offer you 20% off your entire order of the devotional, whether it's one or whether it's 20 using the coupon code PODCAST. Again, 20% off your entire order of devotionals using the coupon code PODCAST. Grab a copy today of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional at nothingiswasted.com slash Devo, D-E-V-O, nothingiswasted.com slash Devo. Be encouraged by it yourself or encourage someone else in their journey through life's valleys. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash Devo. Um, the question I get a lot too, and I'm wondering, I'm curious in your experience, what this is like. Because I feel like people, even though you know, that can provide some relief where they're like, yeah, that, okay, that it's good to know that I don't have to have a particular timeline. A lot mm-hmm. of times people want to know, but am I gonna resurface from this? Right?
1: Yeah.
0: And I wonder for you and your story anecdotally, what when was it that you began to say okay, I started to feel like I was reemerging. I started to feel like hope back in my life or, or color back into my life, mm-hmm. you know? We got on a call and you were like, hey, this, you know, there's new mercies every morning. Usually that doesn't feel like the first morning, right? But when did no, you, When did that light <laughs> begin to come back in for you?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm trying to think through my actual story and all I can think of is a verse that I stumbled across. Mm. Um, and I don't even know when that happened because like, you know, time becomes such a blur. Right,
2: right.
4: <laughs> um But it's in Isaiah 35 and it just says like, there will be a day when you have joy and gladness mm. and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And something that everyone had told me was, you know, you'll, you'll always be grieving. You'll be
1: grieving, mm. you know,
4: your whole life. And, I just felt like that doesn't feel right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that verse, when I found it, I was like, "Yes, like
1: yeah.
4: sorrow and sighing will flee away; it will not be here." Oh, forever. that's great. And like the heaviness, oh, now I know when that's happened in my story. Um, like that heaviness isn't—it's a—it's the a spirit of heaviness is not going to be there forever. Mm. It's a season, and. I don't know why, but our culture just tells you all the time, well, you'll be grieving forever and this will always be part of mm. your story. I will always miss my husband. Yeah, I right. will always want him here. But that doesn't mean that heavy, heavy oppressive feeling of grief where like you can't sit up and you can't eat. Yeah. Like your taste buds do come back from the grave. Mm. You, know, you, you do rise up again because um, it felt like when I lost my husband, you know, it felt like I died too in right, many ways, right. or a big chunk of me did. <clears throat> and just to know that He's still this God of resurrection. But I remember. I remember the day now we were visiting our old church um, at our previous duty station, and a woman she prayed over me, and she prayed that that heaviness would leave, that grief mm. would leave. And I remember thinking, "Am I allowed Can to ask I?
0: Can grief I to ask go?" That? Like, wow.
4: Yeah, That's like good. as she was praying that, I remember thinking, "Am I going to agree with this prayer? Am I allowed to agree with this prayer? Is this a thing?" I mean, I just didn't. I just it never occurred to me that I could ask grief to go. And wow. I don't. I don't think I could have on day two. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. like I think the timing of the Lord was beautiful for me to have this woman pray over me. But I remember before I went into that prayer meeting, I was staying with um, my husband's best friend and his wife, and they're like they're like brothers and sisters to us. Um, So when we were visiting town, we were staying with them. And there was this um, little plaque in there. They gave us their bedroom. And so we were in their bathroom, there was this little sign that said something about like, you're my best friend forever. And there was like a cute statue of like a husband and wife holding each other. And I remember like, like, (laughs) like just seeing it was like, oh, I miss, I like, I just so miss when that was my story too. Um, And it it like hurt and it it wasn't like them hurting me. It just hurt. Um, And after the prayer meeting, when she asked this grief to go away, uh, I came home and I remember I felt physically lighter.
2: Mm.
4: And I also, um, I saw things differently. And that one example of, just this little statue and this sign of like my best friend forever. I was like, gosh, I'm so thankful that they still have that. I'm so thankful that maybe I'll have that again someday. And like, it was hope. Like it was total, it was the exact same situation, but I saw it so differently. And um, that really was a huge Mm. turning point for me Mm. Um, because it did, it just gave me different lenses on the world and and so much hope flooded in when all the heaviness
0: left. So, yeah. I love what you're saying. I I absolutely (laughs) love this because there are times I felt the same thing. You know, I felt very Mm -hmm. clearly certain moments where hope and color began to come back into my life, where the gray began to subside, the fog began to lift the, as you said in Isaiah 35, which just so that you guys can reference this, this is the very end of Isaiah 30, the last line Mm -hmm. and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Um, and that's in the, the new international version. But I felt that. And then I also experienced some of the same comments or uh, impositions that you were just talking about where it's like, you're always going to feel this grief. You're always mm-hmm. going to carry this. You're always going to... And I've evaluated that. And I'm glad that someone else is expressing that too, going like, <laughs> I'm, but I'm not sure if that's true. If we look at right. it from a biblical world worldview, world you know, right. through that lens. And I'm, I wonder if you have any thoughts, I'm sitting here just, you know, I'm reeling trying to think like, why (laughs) is that that people have that view or say that to you? You'll always carry this. Like, I wonder if you have any insight into that in terms of other, other people, like, can we pontificate for just a second? Like, why, why would people, why do people say that? What do you, what do you think? I've
4: never thought about why. Um, but I, I do wonder if maybe it's because a lot of people haven't found healing in their own story. Mm. And so they just assume healing's not available. I don't yeah. know. Um, I don't know.
0: But I also... Yeah, I think that very well could be. Yeah.
4: I also know that our culture in general just doesn't handle griefs.
0: Yeah, briefs. right,
4: right. <laughs> and so <clears throat> they try to come up with ways to... um it's like an invention they invent ways to to handle it and i think that's just one of them like well it'll always be this way or well suck it up move on you know it's like exactly
0: you're like can someone can some can some council get together and tell me how i should walk through this and then we can figure you know wow man that's so true that is so true
4: do you have thoughts? I'm really curious. No, I'm, I'm over thinking here
0: thinking, it, and then so I'm externalizing this is without having processed a whole lot. I, I wonder if a lot of it has to do with worldviews as well. I think that there is mm-hmm. so much, especially in Western North American culture and in Christianity, it's crept in so much that we are just so tied to this earth, so tied mm-hmm. to this earth. And so while we, on some level, it feels like we don't quite understand the, um, urgency that, that our life is, right? On some level, it feels like we're constantly satiating this life or the purpose that God has put us on this earth for with other lesser things. On another level, it feels like we're trying to tie ourselves too permanently to this life, right? And so what I mean by that is I, it, it feels like to me that we death causes us to like look face-to-face at the brevity of our life. And so now we're trying to um, trying to trying to resolve some of the uncomfortable feelings that we have within that and going, mm-hmm. "Man, if I were to be gone, I would want people to remember me, to ache over me, to memorialize me, and I think that's because we live in a very me centered culture as well, too, right? so <laughs> so you almost like what you said, invent these things of going, "You're going to always grieve, you're going to always have this wound, you're going to always and I'm like. Yeah, but that you know that doesn't line up with scripture, right? Scripture says like life is a vapor, it's a breath, right? That we actually are in this yeah. life preparing for a much grander, greater, longer life to come where no no more tears, right? All sorrow mm-hmm. is lifted, where where everything sad becomes untrue. Mm-hmm. And for those of us as believers, you know, we don't weep or mourn as others weep or mourn. We do weep and mourn, right? But we also, we also know that we have a hope in heaven where all of this is going to be resolved and restored. And so we can, we can look to that and that's our hope. And so what that does is I think is that lifts our spirits then to go, you know, I may walk around with some scars, right? But they don't have to be open wounds. I really can yeah. heal fully from this. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about this quite a bit that there's a huge difference between an open wound and a scar. An open wound is if you touch it, right? It's very sensitive and you recoil hot, <laughs> you know? And so many times people yeah. try to cover that open wound with a bandage or something, or they try to cope it, cope with it. Or instead of letting the air, or in this metaphor, the breath of God breathe over it, instead of really letting the air uh, do its work there. And then eventually it can, be, it can actually heal, and turn into a scar. And while that scar is still there as a marker in your life, you can point to it and say, hey, this is my story, but I don't feel the heaviness yeah. anymore. And so I think right. sometimes just out of a, trying to memorialize and tether things to this earth and people to this earth too much, we forget mm-hmm. that like, no, like your husband, my late wife, like we, they are, um, they're wonderful right now. And truly they're from their perspective, they're going, I don't want you guys to weep and mourn over me, right? I want you guys to turn and look to the Lord and I want you to I want you to help people, like move forward. Like this life is gonna be so short. Do whatever you do right now, do for the place and the season that lasts, you know? So, anyways, that's those are my unfiltered thoughts on it, but <laughs> I just think, I just wonder sometimes if we try to memorialize things too much because we're almost projecting our own fear of being forgotten or something. I don't know. Mm. That might be a totally bad theory, but that's, <laughs> you're probably more <laughs> tr- You're song. probably more dead it's on good. with the, um, the idea that people just, they don't, they haven't healed themselves. And so mm. in order to justify kind of their own state, they're trying to superimpose that onto your, onto you as well. But, um,
4: I think that they also I think people just also repeat what they've heard true you yeah. know just oh I've heard this about grief so I'll just repeat it and you know I'm sure I have yeah. to <laughs> like but at some point
0: I'm curious yeah. your thoughts on that too you know um, we talk a lot about the ministry of presence and just how important that is and mm-hmm. even a, over over trying to say something that's gonna resolve someone's pain. But there, there are moments where someone says something that's really profound to you as well. You know, I can look back on my story. I'm sure you can as well. How, how do you, as a, as a someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, how do you discern that? You know, if you're trying to help somebody else in grief, how would you tell them, okay, here's how to discern whether this is a moment to just shut up and be silent or this is a moment to really speak something into their life?
4: Yeah, um, I really do think that the Lord leads us, you know, if we're like, God, how do I handle a situation? He will respond in mm. the moment. Um, I was asked recently to, to pray over a woman who was grieving and, um, and by someone in authority that I respect. And I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to say a thing. Mm. So I just hugged her. Mm. I just hugged her. And, um, in my heart, I prayed quietly, but I actually didn't pray out loud, which sometimes that's all you need. Like mm. somebody just please pray out loud over yeah. me. Um, At least I was kind of desperate for that, but also because we didn't really have a lot of people surrounding us. Um, but this, in this particular case, like you're saying, like everybody's different. Everybody's in a different place. And in this particular case, I just felt like I was just supposed to hold her. So that's just mm. what I did. And hopefully I, you know, hopefully I heard right, but, um I think that he's just so gracious to know each of our needs and what we need in each moment because it's different, you know? One day you need people, the next day you need a break from people and it changes. Um, So I think he's just really, really faithful to to let us know where to go and how to help. Um, But yeah, it is really special when somebody does, when somebody does speak into it and it is really special when somebody does just sit with you in your tears or sit
0: with you and your, you know, yeah, doubts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you, um, we haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but, um, you know, you weren't just navigating grief for yourself, but you're you're also a mom navigating Mm for, for others, for, for your littles. Do you have any advice that you would give to a single mom, a single dad, someone who's found themselves in that situation, you know, um, it's, it's a tough situation to find yourself in.
5: Yeah,
0: On some level, it gives you a purpose to wake up every single day. I know for me that if it wasn't for my 15 month old, I, there are some days I'd probably, I would, have, I would have wished that I just wasn't waking up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of people feel that way, but somehow like the Lord propels you out of bed with these little ones. Right. And yet it's a very complicated matter. How, what kind of advice would you give?
4: Two things that are coming to mind. Um, one of them, as far as just like what's on my own plate, a lot of people will tell me, you know, you have to be mom and dad now. And mm. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I could barely mm. handle just being mom before. How am I going to add That's being crazy. dad to? That's I felt too. that like same pressure. Yeah. 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 Like he was our rock of our family. He was the stability of our family. And um, no, I can't do his job mm. too. So to be able to just recognize like, I haven't doubled my workload. I mean, I've doubled my responsibilities or tripled, but I haven't, like my job towards my children is still the same. Yeah, be it's good. And I, I had to really just step into a new level of trusting, like, okay, you're their father. Like, I need you to help me in this situation. You're their father. I need you to provide in this situation. Um, I need you to, to give me wisdom to navigate this one. Or, you know, just really trusting that he is still the role of father. And I really see Holy Spirit as a mother figure Mm. because Holy Spirit is so comforting. Um, And so, you know, kind of that role, like Holy Spirit, you still do your job. (laughs) Father, you still do your job. And um, that just kind of took so much off of my Mm. own shoulders. Um, But then as far as relating with my children, all of our personalities changed. Mm. Um, All of our love language changed. Mm. All of our needs changed. I had a very um, physical touch child who didn't want to be touched at all. Interesting, wow. Don't hug me, don't touch me. Um, Like everything changed for all of us. (laughs) And so, yeah. So we had to navigate like, okay, well, first of all, who am I even anymore? Because all that changed. Who are you now? Because you've changed. How do we relate to each other now? Because it's all upside Mm. down. So, um, and recognizing that we all not only has that happening, but also we're all grieving differently. One child did not, could not talk about him. The other child only needed to talk about hmm. him, um, and I, I tried to go between the two. Like, I mean, it's just a lot. But just, just the awareness that that's the way it is is so helpful because otherwise, you're still trying to meet them the way you used to. Right you know, you're still trying to meet this old love language when that's changed yeah. and it's not, we're, it's not doing it anymore. Yeah. So there was just a lot of like, okay, God, <laughs> wisdom, wisdom, wisdom.
0: Man, that's so interesting. I had, I've never really heard that before. That's a new thing. And I'm trying to, I'm thinking back, like that makes a, it makes a lot of sense though. It's almost like because of the, the hurt there, it, it does cause a little bit of that recoil, in that same respect. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, that's really, I've never heard that before, Danita, but that is a really insightful thing because I think it's good to be um, armed with that in some ways to know, like, Mm -hmm. or at least to feel, you know, there's probably someone who's listening to this like, oh my gosh, that explains everything that I've just been experiencing (laughs) as a mom or as a dad. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, And I've never heard anybody else say this before. I feel so seen. I feel so understood. And Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I I remember specifically not, I'm a physical touch person as well. I remember specifically not wanting to be, my mom came up and gave me a hug at one point right after loo- losing my late wife. And I just, I didn't want to be touched. And it was yeah. like, it, and part of it, I I attributed to, I just wanted to feel my wife's touch again. I didn't want to feel anybody right. else's. Right. And, and that might have something to do with, you know, as well with, with kids. But that is an, a really interesting, it's almost like the 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 receptors that you have emotionally for love now have, uh, are wounded as well. And so they are so much more sensitive that it's like they can't handle some of that.
4: Yeah, I think that's true. I think it also, like I think of all the, the needs that my husband met that all of a sudden weren't being mm. met. And so I think at some point, I mean, if I'm honest, I think we just took those things for granted and then all of a sudden when that wasn't there, in some ways it was like, oh, like now I extra need that. Yeah, yeah. That way of right. feeling loved. Like just, you know, for me, I was the opposite with physical touch. Like it was kind of like, okay, like I like to hug you and you know, whatever. It was like kind of the bottom of the barrel for me. Yeah. Like I needed it, but it wasn't like the top. And then it switched to the top. I was like, hug oh. me, somebody, hold me. <laughs> like I just need help. Um, it switched for oh. me. So it's just really interesting. And I think it's because some of those needs were being met in a way that I didn't, I couldn't even process, like, yeah. bef- I couldn't even understand before how rich that yeah. was.
0: Hey, friends! With as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story is not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to to tell ourselves lies like, "This is the end of your story. That this will always define you." And trust me, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And nothing is wasted ministries. We exist to help you navigate your pain. And even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or you've been with us for some time, and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're going to talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm going to share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm gonna teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The call's gonna be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's gonna be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances, why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward, how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one key decision that you're going to have to take in order to move through your pain and, and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices with, when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next. And listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I want to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash Start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link at the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. This may or may not be, but I'm, I'm curious if this relates to some of the things you talk about in your book, you know, you've written this book, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Your Life After Losing Someone You Love. And you talk about the topography of grief, which is, I've never heard it termed this way. As soon as I read it though, <laughs> I was like, that's exact, that describes exactly what you experience. But does some of that relate to this idea of top, topography? Maybe explain what that means and, and just kind of how different seasons, you know, require yeah. different navigation.
4: Yeah, I think um, I was reading Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis, and he he kind of yeah, that was kind of the first. I don't know that he used the word topography, but he kind of painted the scene of like, all right, well, you know, I think I'm going to be around this bend in grief, and I think there's going to be this on the other side, and sometimes there isn't. He was basically trying to say like, you know, we can't really. Predict what's going to be in front of us and how our path is going yeah. to go. At least I think that's kind of what they're
0: yeah. saying. And such <laughs> yeah, I was going to say sometimes you really it. don't know. With CS Lewis, you're just <laughs> like that was beautiful, yeah. but I have no idea what you just
5: said. <laughs> yeah,
4: it was pretty. Um, so, anyways, I just it was just like a sentence here or mm. there, and it really struck me because because I'm visual, and so I saw this picture, and I was like, "That's really how it is." Because with my husband, with his hiking, he was such a map guy; he had to mm. have. The paper printed out map and know this is, you know, at this little tree marker, like this is where I need to go here because the the trails on those 14ers aren't clearly marked. So he really needed maps, but he was also like very left brain, like how do we get from A to B? How do we, you know, where do we stop and how do we get there as efficiently as possible? but I'm like artsy-fartsy, like, ooh, isn't this pretty? And I just like, I love maps because I like to use them for scrapbooking or making cards or, you know, like for me, it's just pretty. (laughs) And I get in a car and I don't know where I'm going. I just let somebody drive me. Like, I'm just happy to be, you know, looking out the window. Mm -hmm. So it's really funny because I saw the way that we handled maps together as a way that some people approach grief. Mm -hmm. Like, like some people are just like, get me out of here. How do I get from A to B? Like, I want this over with. I want to get through it. I want to be done with it. And I want the formula and the five yep. steps and the yep. things. And for me, there were no five steps. Like I felt them all in the first 25 yeah. minutes, you know? And um, it's funny because the, the actual, <laughs> we'll go into this for a minute yeah. if you don't mind. The actual theories of um, the five stages of grief was written by a woman who was actually not studying people who were grieving loss of a loved one. They were grieving, um, they were people who were dying themselves. Mm. Totally different Very process. Different. Yep. <laughs> Which I know because I went through that before my husband died. I thought I was dying. Mm. Um, and so I can totally understand the stages she's talking about and the way you have to grapple right. with the end of your own life. But what happened was, this was like almost, what, 40 or 50 years ago when that theory came out. Everyone just applied that, those stages to yeah, everyone grieving any, yeah. And it really has honestly messed a lot of people up because they're like, man, I'm like not depressed. Should I be feeling mm. depressed? Cause it's one of the stages of, depression. you know, whatever. Like they just they just start to feel like, well, I should be doing this, but mine isn't linear. And it's not lining yeah. up with that. But she, Elizabeth Larashi herself said like, there's no, it's not linear. Grief isn't supposed to be neat. Little categories or packages. Right. And so that's kind of this idea with the topography, just there's no A to B, but if we can just realize what is on the map, it just is kind of grounding. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I actually drew a picture for myself. It was a little stick figure doodle. Like, okay, here's the bridge of frozen pizza or you know, right. just all the things that I saw in my daily life as part of my group mm. experience and just to put them on one piece of paper, which is kind of like, okay, like, it didn't really fix anything, right. but it helped me realize this is where I'm right. at. And, and it also helped me think, you know, I won't be here forever. Mm. <laughs> um, and that just was really helpful. Mm. So that's actually, a an activity in the book that people have really enjoyed doing is just drawing out their own, um, map of sorrow. Oh. Like what do they see on a regular basis? And it's so amazing. The things that people.
0: Oh, wow. On. I love that. That's amazing. You know, we, we, we have this course, I told you, Pain to Purpose, and yeah. everything is branded outdoorsy, hiking, mountains, uh. <laughs> trees, you know, because of that very thing. We, we don't, you know, we don't call them steps. We don't call them, we actually call the 11 videos waypoints because they're nice. there on the yeah. map, but you don't really, right. honestly, everybody's journey from one waypoint to the next is going to be different. And you might be bouncing Mm -hmm. back to other waypoints, right? But the key is the guides that are able to help you navigate from one waypoint to the next. And for some of us, it's actually people, right? That help us navigate those grief journeys. I know that you could probably point to and attribute so much of your healing to actual physical people that God brought into your life. And then for some of us, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God's word. It's other Mm -hmm. guides along the journey. But I love what you're saying because what you've written about in this book lines up so much with, you know what we're what we're seeing as well and what we what we put down on this in this course for people and so that's uh it's phenomenal that's so cool that's so cool to see mm-hmm. um and that map that you're talking about within the book of being able to map out your your own journey what are the things that are on your what would you call it a gr- grief map or uh i think we call
4: it a map, map of, of sorrow, sorrow map
0: of I, that's so my good my brain
5: feels a little no, mushy oh that's okay map
0: of sorrow that's amazing i love that you know um the One of the things that is very difficult for people, especially for folks who are parents in grief, is to figure out how to um you know balance or, or hold intention the self care soul care with care of others who are also going through grief. Uh, I'm curious what your experience has been with that and some things maybe you've learned along the way with that
4: yeah i we We were in such crisis mode for so long. Mm. Um, <clears throat> beyond what was obvious, like we just had crazy things happen. Like I went through two alternators in the first Oh gosh. Like 18, I stopped counting at 18 times. The car batteries died. Um, Even brand new ones, just completely dead. this is dead, after like your husband drained.
0: passed away is what you're, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah.
4: So, Were these things he would typically like of, take
0: care of? And so you would, so oh all of yeah. a sudden now you're yeah. having to worry so Like about I didn't these. even know how to yeah. do any of this stuff.
4: Jeez. <laughs> we had four five major appliances die, five major plumbing leaks. I mean, just oh like- my gosh. There was literally a new crisis every three to four Man. days. Um, and that just went on and on for a couple of years or more, actually. And um, so how do you, you know, how do you like meet your children when you're just like literally right. putting out house
5: fires all right. the time?
4: I just will tell you, I have no idea. Huh. Like, I think that it was, I had to lean so much into prayer and so much into like- Jesus help me. Um, it, because <laughs> you, really, yeah. you feel yeah. like when when your husband when your spouse passes away and you have small children, you, honestly, I felt like I needed a degree in psychology and counseling just to be there. Yeah, partner. right. And actually, I know a lot of women who that's what they did um, is went into mm. psychology and they studied that because they just needed the resources. Right. Um. So, you know, we feel, I I felt really ill-equipped as a mom before all this happened, right? And then, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe what it's like to navigate it after. And it just really has to come down to like what we said before about trusting God to be Father, trusting Him to meet them in their dreams, trusting Him to meet them as they're going to school. Um, Mm. And... Just, just
5: desperate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Here's what's interesting to me. I can see it in your face. You're, you are proclaiming a truth that is such a profound truth. But, you know, forgive me if this is wrong. But it's almost like you're wanting to tell people more. (laughs) I wish I had more. But that's the reality, and that's that's so important for this for this (laughs) moment right here. I want everybody to lean in about this because. The reality is, is we live in a culture today where we have a plethora of information and instruction at our hands. We can go to YouTube. We can go to <laughs> everyone's got resources for you. Everyone's got resources, and yet we still find ourselves in situations all the time. and And I would venture to say that this is part of the this is part of the architecture, the construct of a, being a human being, is we find ourselves in situations where where we can't we. We cannot do it. We are completely Mm -hmm. insufficient. We do not have the resources available. And that's where the Lord shows up the most. Right? He is our ever-present help in, in time of trouble, right? That this is the most important thing about our lives, especially as believers, is that in these situations, in these seasons where we do not know how we're going to be able to move forward or forge ahead, God shows up and in his grace, he parts the Red Sea or he, you know, he does a, yeah. what only he can do and provides that help. Mm-hmm. And this is, the Holy Spirit is the helper for that reason. And I love that I could see the battle inside of you, but I'm going, no, you know what, Danita? No, it's, it's don't real. try to tell people something that is some you know quip, some pithy piece of advice. That is exactly right. Like I want, I want all of us to, and I have to remind myself that all the time. And thank you for reminding me in this moment right now, Danita, where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> only the Lord, like this is not your battle. You need not, you need only be still. He will fight your battle for you. And he knows the limitations that you and I have. And he's there to rescue. And I think sometimes we almost don't welcome or facilitate that because we are trying to figure it out on our own. God's like, mm-hmm. well, okay. I mean, I'll let you try to figure it out on your own, but it's gonna bring you right back here. <laughs> and um, that's, that's powerful, Danita.
4: I think that that's, um, with, when I, when I didn't think I was going to make it, I think that was one of the major keys he gave me was that even when my faith has bottomed out, he's still faithful. Mm. And just understanding, like, even when my strength has bottomed out, he's still strong. Even when, you know, even when my (laughs) ability to think straight has bottomed out, he, he has a plan. He has a way out. He has, um a way of redeeming it. And yeah, I think that's, it just comes down to like, I can't, but
0: I know you can. It's powerful and beautiful. And I think that's where every single one of us in our grief journeys, if there is a universal truth about grief, if there really (laughs) is a quote unquote how to, I think it comes down to that. Mm. Even though I can't, I know that you can. And you'll show up in this. Um, yeah. And he does, he's faithful. He's faithful to show up. Yeah. Mm. Danina, this has been wonderful. <laughs> this has been a, just such a wonderful reminder, you know, even for me. I know so many of us, we're, we're forging ahead and we're just trying to make things happen. And we don't like the feeling of feeling insufficient. We don't like the feeling of feeling yeah. incompetent about certain things. And so- but sometimes we just have to acknowledge that. Yeah. God, I need you.
4: In the beginning, you were talking about when you, what do you do when you feel like you're like drowning. Mm. And a woman, um, she was in prayer and she saw a picture and she actually painted a watercolor for me. She saw a picture of me scuba diving in deep, dark waters, mm. And I was like, and she just kind of gave me this assurance that you feel like you're way far under and you are. But, like, he's given you the equipment mm. you need. And for some reason, just hearing that, I was like, okay.
0: Yeah.
4: It just feels like what we're saying now like, okay, I should be drowning. I'm breathing. Yeah. Um, you know, he's given us everything we need. He's given us all the grace that we need, even if it doesn't feel like it. Because I've tried scuba yeah. diving and it was really bad because trying to tell my brain to breathe, even when I was underwater, was like creating right, panic right. in me. And that's kind of what that season is mm. like. Like, I know I should be drowning, but I'm still walking somehow. Mm.
0: Um. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Well, guys, you guys need to make sure that you pick up Danita's book, When Mountains Crumble. It's um, it's a devotional, and it really is uh, just a phenomenal resource. And Rebuilding your life after losing someone you love. Danita, you also have resources for folks who are trying to help those who are Grieving. Can you tell us about those?
4: Yeah, I have a, just, it's, it's a free guide. It's online available at whenmountainscrumble.com. And um, it just basically gives some really practical, prayerful ways that people can help mm-hmm. come alongside. Because I know that, I know how helpless it feels when you watch someone yes. you love grieving. Yes. And you don't know how to step in. You don't know what to say. You're afraid to say the wrong thing, so you don't say anything. You're afraid to do the wrong thing, so you don't do anything. And this just gives some really practical, like, okay, I can do that. I can that's say great. that. I can, I can pray that.
0: Um, so, oh, that's so. so good. So needed. We actually just spent some time as a team a couple of weeks ago going, what do we want to try to tackle in 2023? And what emerged from that was a huge need. We're going, man, we need to help other people know yeah. how to help people you know and so i'm so yeah. glad that you have that resource make sure that we're, you know we'll put that we'll put a link in the show notes guys so you guys can go and access that really easily but it's there at windmountainscrumble.com and it's um how to help your grieving friend guide there's also a grief relief guide is that right there mm-hmm, and so we'll put yeah. those links there and you guys can access that and we'll make sure that we obviously put a link to the book uh, but Danita, thanks so much for spending time with us today. This has just been wonderful. It's really stirred me up. So thank you.
4: Yeah, I've enjoyed this. Thank you.
2: Wow, that was a great conversation with Danita. I I was just really pulled into her story. Mm-mm. And and the lessons, the wisdom yeah. that she yeah. has brought out of her own story is we could just record multiple yes. podcasts just talking yeah, about just it. with her.
3: I know she's yeah. she is incredible and I you know I don't know just hearing from somebody who has been through such loss, raising kids and and then doing something about it like creating a devotional for people, writing a mm-hmm. book for people. I d- I do appreciate kind of her hard-won wisdom. Mm. And her faith and trust in God in the midst of doubt and difficulty and despair. I know that's, I don't know, I know this conversation ministered to a lot of you listeners, yeah. so we appreciate Danita so much. Mm. One, of the, um, one of the things that stood out to me, and you and I kind of talked about this, Eric, off air, but that image of grief is a topography map.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Instead of linear. That, is, that has stuck with me.
2: That is mind blowing. It's just paradigm shifting to Mm -hmm. think of it like that. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. Because even in like the kind of classic work on grief, like on the the stages Mm -hmm. of grief, we still sort of feel like those are somewhat linear.
2: Yes. You know, you
3: go from whatever to anger to here to bargaining to like, and for her to be like, well, some of those stages may or may not be true, but they don't happen in like an "quote unquote" order.
2: Order, yes. Yeah. And you know, I'd always heard that about uh, that book. You know, the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. That you know, one misapplication was that it it um they were you know people took them as linear. And mm. I love that she pointed out. I think it was um, that that book was written by studying people who were dying and they were grieving the end of their own life it wasn't there was nobody that was studied wow. who lost a spouse you Come know
3: on. and
2: so it's a totally different type of grief and it's a
3: totally different type of grief
2: wow. which can which can shoehorn us into you know put us in a box of what grief has to look like and that's mm. what she's getting away from that mm. and as i think about just looking down at a topography map and going okay here's valleys and here's mm-hmm. peaks and here's mm-hmm. desert climate and here's forest yeah, and here's refreshing right. and here's, um, right. and you're kind of, you're kind of wandering in your grief mm. through this, this area called grief and, yeah. and you don't know where your trail is going to take you at what point
5: mm. where you're going to
2: wind up in that topography. Um, mm. that was just so
3: It is. It's brilliant. It's, such a new paradigm and I and I think also just to know that there is I mean when you're walking through grief like there is a new topography that happens the map mm-hmm. that the timeline of your life the map of your life really does get changed but I think one thing I appreciate about Danita is like part of that is going to be valley and desert and but there also are going to be times of like you said, refreshing and delight and joy. And mm-hmm. that feels so impossible, I think, when you're first walking through grief. And even if, even months later when, you, when it's hitting you anew and afresh and you're like, oh, wait, this person is never coming back. My person is never coming back. And it can hit really hard to still go, okay, but there are going to be seasons where there's going to be life again. And there's going to be hope again, and I'm going to experience goodness again. And almost to, I think to give yourself permission to experience those delights and those times of refreshing when they come, because I know it can, you can almost feel guilty. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have a good day.
2: Yeah. I I really appreciated how Danita, you know, with this topography thing and the, the idea of pace in grief and that there was no, you know, she said there's no shoulds and no timelines. Mm, and
3: Yeah. It, it,
2: I, she, you know, she dealt really well with this idea of we definitely should not be telling people you should be over this right now. You, you know, this yeah. is two weeks have passed. You've had the funeral, you know, uh, you've eaten all the food that people brought to your house. So right. life should be going on. <laughs> right. And And, uh, you know, which I think... I think we hear a lot, but she also brought out this idea of like, it was almost, people weren't saying you shouldn't be happy, but they I forget her words, but it was the effect of like, like you'll always be carrying this pain. Yeah,
3: like, yeah, you'll always like, have this. Mm-hmm. Which is a
2: subtle way of almost saying you shouldn't be, you shouldn't find mm-hmm. a place where you're happy in life. And, and, right, and, and experiencing any healing and yeah. she's saying, No, don't tell me that either because right. God does provide healing and relief. Yeah. And yeah it it was just it was so freeing to hear that.
3: I think it uh, I, I hope it was freeing, especially to our listeners, because I, I know sometimes even at nothing is wasted, we're so like, be in your grief in your grief as yeah. long as you need to. Grief changes. You, I mean, you know, that's because yeah. you want people to feel permission to like feel what they feel, especially in grief and heartache and disappointment. But also the whole point of nothing is wasted is to state, but there's hope here. Like mm-hmm. God God is a God of new creation and God yeah. is a God who is a restorer. And mm-hmm. um, And so though there is heartache now there is wholeness that the yeah. Lord wants to bring into your life and to know that that's good and that's okay yes. and you have permission and you can trust that actually this is part of the work God is doing. Yeah. It's it's a strange thing because I do feel like in <laughs> in some ways culture like you said it's either okay funerals over you're fine. We we sort of moved beyond that, I think, culturally, mm-hmm. but I wonder if we've erred too far on like, you must be in pain forever, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think about other cultures where they mm-hmm. have, you're in mourning for a month or six weeks or two months mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. and then there is like a point where you take off the mourning clothes. Mm-hmm. And I I think of the Apostle Paul when he writes that we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Mm. Life is... A mix of both that 's why we 're yeah. commanded to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and yeah. um, we rejoicing is good and right. God gives us rejoicing and we and, and and there can be that guilt that there can I think be. we put on ourselves of wow well, if i 'm enjoying life and i 'm happy and i 'm not mm. sad every day at the loss of this person mm. then did I forget them? Have I stopped loving them? Have
3: I stopped honoring them? Yeah. Yeah. I think what I found, too, just in my own grief experience, and I haven't lost a spouse. I know that's a very intimate loss. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I find that, like, grief is pretty selfish. And so even if you... Like grief likes to do its own work. So even if you have a season when you're like, oh, I'm actually kind of doing okay, I'm looking forward, I'm making plans, I'm enjoying certain things, uh, grief's gonna come back when it needs to and be like, hey, come sit with me for a little bit. Yeah. We need to do some work here,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and again, I think all of this is like God's invitation, a part of part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. But then you find, I think, you're able to compartmentalize a little bit. Like, okay, I had my I had my sit down with grief that I needed to. That was really mm-hmm. good and healthy, and now I'm going to start moving forward again. Like, I think at time that's that's part of the healing journey that that God allows grief to sort of move in and out and so you don't always have to be totally overwrought
2: yes um
3: especially as overwrought as you are initially and again but it's not linear so I think that's the other thing like Danita told us none of this has to be done in a certain way but Mm -hmm. I think just permission to know that um life can come back yes is is a good thing is a good thing to walk in and to celebrate yeah
2: and that's good. That movement in and out of like progression and healing and mm-hmm. then it's not a reversion to grief. I think it's a progression in grief when there it comes back and we sit with it. Because God brings those aspects of our wounds and our loss to us when it's time for us to deal with them. That's so good. Yeah. And if we had to walk through the the whole of it in one moment, mm. we, we couldn't. We couldn't bear it. Yeah, uh, we we in, in in the moment of any kind of trauma or loss, we don't understand the fullness of that loss until mm. time passes. Because especially with the loss of people, you know, you reach those milestones where it's the first Christmas, the first whatever. Yes, uh, the loss of a person, and I say this in, about miscarriage, the loss of a of a a child you didn't know, it's a manifold loss that unfolds over time. Mm-hmm. There's there's always a new mile marker. So that true. this person would have been there. It's not something you experience in a moment. It's just yeah. something you experience over time. And, mm. um, but some of those things, aspects of it, we heal from and yeah. we get to enjoy life. And then we come back to other parts of it.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then one day healing in full when we finally yes. see Jesus face to face. That is what we hold on that for. Be good. Mm, so good. Well, we want to continue to walk with you on your pain to purpose journey. So we would love to invite you to go to our website, nothingiswasted.com/community. We have our community platform and our community plus membership there with all kinds of resources for you. Everything from coaching to master classes to um, devotions and just ways that we want to support you. In your own topography of grief, that's what we're here for. So again, nothingiswasted.com slash community. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream his music wherever you do so. You can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Davy Blackburn at OBSAMP, Samp and
2: at E M Schumacher.
3: And be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube. By doing so, you will help so many people who are in their own pain journeys find purpose and find hope and so much more well next week we are joined by some enneagram friends Davy and i talk about the enneagram a lot here on the nothing is wasted podcast beth and jeff mccord we know you are going to love our conversation with them so let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davey's conversation with beth and jeff mccord
1: When we think about an Enneagram type, number one, it is in line with our understanding of that God makes us uniquely. So, he's adopted us in love before the creation of the world. He's knit us together in our mother's womb. He has prepared good works in advance for us to do. He has given us by his spirit certain gifts that we have a unique contribution to. So, being unique is not contrary to scripture. That's actually consistent with the scriptures. But we have used these gifts, strengths, abilities, talents to make life work apart from the cross. Mm. And that's our Enneagram type. But as with the scriptures, so, you know, I remember before I was a Christian, um, I was a successful uh, football player in Texas. And Mm. before I was a Christian, I used that for my own notoriety and image and acceptance. Uh, And matter of fact, I would even, I was invited to speak at different places. But then I became a Christian and that all became, no longer was it about me. I was doing many of the same things, but it was more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that the benefit of the Enneagram is not that it, one says that you've tried to make a life work apart from Jesus, which is the sin nature, the flesh, the old self. But uh, because of the gospel and because of the spirit being the the new man, the new creation, the new self, mm. that we are becoming something new. And these gifts actually become a contribution to how we live out our calling in relationships and how we live out our calling in careers.
5: Well, and so just to take that step further from an actual inside Enneagram perspective is that to find your main type, because there's nine uh, valid perspectives of the world, nine main types— Um, you find your main type based off of the core motivations, you know, why you do what you do, based off your core fear, your core desire, your core weakness. Um, Other teachers will call it passion or deadly sin. And then Mm. your core longing, the message your heart longs to hear. And especially when you get to the message your heart longs to hear, that's what we're striving for, right? Mm. So either we're going to get that through the spring of living water, or we're going to dig our own cisterns. And so what we what we're doing is revealing all of that. Like you said, we have to have self-awareness to even know that we're digging these yeah. cisterns that are broken because we feel like, no, this makes sense. Like, this is how it's done, or this is how I get you know, fulfilled, right. but they're broken. And once we wake up to that fact that it's broken and oh my goodness, right here, literally next to me is the spring hmm. of living water. And I can have as much as my heart desires yeah. and it is glorious and beautiful then what's going to happen is Christ fills that core longing. He satisfies it. Um, And so that's where we're trying to take people is, we know that you have this core longing and this need, but we need to stop digging and we need to start drinking from Christ.